On this week's episode of Chasing the Natty, Jared and I look ahead to week two in our preview where we will discuss big game matchups and possible high-scoring games. All this and more on Chasing the Natty. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. Alright, welcome in everybody. It is I you know, I've been I, I've been having this problem all week where I've been completely losing track of what day of the week it is. Thank you, Labor Day. Um it is Tuesday night and it is a lovely Tuesday night that is storming ra- ravaging storms outside my window at the moment. Um but my name is Jared Palmgren. I am the host of the Chasing the Natty podcast, and on the other side of me is always the dependable and reliable Mr. Xavier Hood. How are you doing tonight, Xavier? Uh, glad to be back. Xavier's smiling because he knows that we had to reschedule yesterday and then still had something come up. Yeah. <laughs> nah, it's all good. It's all good. Had a good time with Justin yesterday, recapped week one. Um, love Justin. Have, we'll have him, I'm sure we'll have him back on the show at one point. Uh, you guys seem to like that um, pretty well. Uh, but even still, Xavier, you were not here yesterday. Um, so I want to go ahead and give you a little bit of time to give your thoughts on week one, even though this is a week two preview show. Um, I've been, we've been going back and forth about all different kinds of games and stuff like that. So I want, I want people to hear what you have to say. Yeah, there, there's a, a lot to talk about, but I wanna, don't want to take up too, of our, too much of our time. Um, I'll try to break it down in probably like three parts. I'll, I'll try to hit the bigger game. Of course, as as you all know, we are Georgia diehards, so I'll get to that first. Um, the Georgia defense showed up, and I'm happy that we won the game. And it's very exciting, and it's great to look forward to it for the future of our season and the possible playoff hopes. And uh, after seeing what Bama did to Miami, I'm glad we don't have to see them for a while. If we uh, fortunately make it to the SEC championship, we'll have time to develop. But on the other side of the ball, Clemson's defense was also strong as well, too. So it was a great battle uh, between the trenches. But ultimately, we just uh, we came through. We were able to run the ball a little bit more effectively than them, move the ball down the field, and getting the, getting the field goal range for our one offensive score of the game. But Chris Smith came up with the interception, so that was great. Now, uh, for the fantasy side of this, I, I don't want people to panic or take too much into these offenses. Uh, just uh, just look at these offenses and say, wow, the Clemson's offense is terrible or invisible. I've seen so many quotes from different people, and also George is saying, oh, this is supposed to be a brand-new offense. I, it, it's just a hard thing to say because now you – if you put Georgia and Clemson versus anybody else in the country aside from Alabama, their offense and defense are going to perform a lot better than what they do, uh, what everybody else uh, – did over the weekend um about what they did against each other you're putting probably the second and third best defense in the nation that i would describe uh, i can't i really want to give us the edge over bama but i know i can't do that just yet but i'll put us at two and clemson at three and you're putting them against uh you know offenses are kind of you know in a new place right now they're not like clemson's not at the helm of trevor lawrence anymore george is finally under jc daniels with a lot of receivers being hurt or not being able to play so it was just at a disadvantage. But I think for the rest of the season, it's okay 
to have investments in these offenses. Don't jump off ship yet. Don't, you know, make big claims that DJ might, you know, fall or be bad or this and that, or, you know, JT's not the quarterback we thought. These are still great players and they have a long season ahead of them to get things clicking. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and add in here a little bit. And I, I talked about this a little bit with Justin yesterday, but again, when you go back and look at this game, and like in hindsight, was it, we should have expected a low, sco- a low scoring affair. I don't think anybody was expecting that low of scoring. But the, the matchups just weren't there for these offenses to be explosive yesterday. Uh, these were two of the best defensive lines in the country. They were going to break through these young, raw offensive lines both teams had. And both offenses just didn't go in with a game plan of expecting to be able to make big passing plays because they knew that these defensive fronts were going to get into the backfield and those plays would fall apart so quickly before the receivers ever had a chance to separate. So um, now that doesn't excuse uh, Clemson for never changing their plan until the fourth quarter to throw over the middle because Georgia was blitzing their linebackers half the time. Um, But even still... Like, I'm with you, Xavier. I don't think anybody should be panicking over either one of these offenses. I literally had somebody uh, ask me the other day, like, should I drop DJ? I'm like, no, why? No. Why? No. Clemson is still a top five team in this country, regardless of what they may have looked like on Saturday. This, These were just bad, unfortunate matchups that just happened to hit a major weakness on Clemson's side, even on Georgia a little bit. Like, again, Georgia had a raw... Uh, O-line that just happened to perform a little bit better than Clemson's did. Um, I'm sure Georgia was freaking out about the exact same thing happening to them that happened to Clemson on Saturday night. Um, yeah, again, I'm just kind of expanding real when you what you were saying. What, what are your other thoughts from this past weekend, Xavier? Yeah, I want to talk about uh, transfer running backs or just running backs in general. I think it was a great weekend for running backs or just a great week for running backs. Uh, we'll, mm-hmm. I'll start off with uh, Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State. Uh, got, of course, you oh, start I with him. Oh, I have to start with him. I, I won't. I won't. I won't harp on it too much, you know, for our fantasy, uh, for our Kings Classic draft. But uh, I, I want to shine light on Michigan State and what it looks like a re- uh, a Mel Tucker revolution. It could possibly be. You took down a Northwestern program, which was very highly rated last year. Uh, a very favorable program that was on the up and up, and now it looks like it's Michigan State's turn. And they're going to uh, be led by Kenneth Walker. And, you know, they have a few good pieces on that offense as well, too, with the receiving and uh, uh, at QB as well, too. So it is very interesting to see. Uh, and then I'll go and touch on a few more transfers that may not have had the best of weekends, but I expect we'll get into our week two previews. But uh, I'll go with UNC and Ty Chandler. I It wasn't as disappointment to say against Virginia Tech. I, you know, UNC was expected to come in there and, you know, not, not per se dominate, but I was expecting to see a little bit more. The mm-hmm. offensive line was t- returning a lot of starters, and they looked like a bunch of freshmen out there. The offensive line was horrendous. Sam Howell had no room to operate. The run game couldn't get it, uh, couldn't get going, but I also felt like they didn't use the run game enough. It felt like they gave up on it too quick. You couldn't get Ty Chandler in a rhythm because you were always trying to like rely on Josh Downs to bail you out, which he did for. Uh, I guess did he have one touchdown that game? I forgot the score of that game. I just remember. Uh, yes, uh, Downs did have a touchdown that game, and also you were you you kind of touched on them abandoning the run too early. Uh, Ty Chandler was yeah, averaging averaging six point six yards per carry, and he only absolutely. ten carries that game. Yeah, it, it, I think majority of those came in like the. I know a few came in the first, but majority of the probably those came in the fourth was when I saw them come back because they were trying to use. Uh, I forgot the other running back's name. I think it's like Davies or something or something uh, DJ like that. Jones. 
DJ Jones. Uh, that's where I'm getting that confused. But yeah, DJ Jones. A lot of people thought he was looking like the better back. I'm just not too sold on that. He had a bit. Uh, he had a few big runs, hmm. but it was just you know uh, circumstance. I feel like Ty Chandler with more opportunity, which I feel like against Georgia State this upcoming week look a lot better. Now I will say I am concerned about Oklahoma because a lot of the big talk, even on my side, was I was a big Air Gray supporter and he got the starting back role. But it just didn't work out for a while. Tulane had a really good game plan against Oklahoma for their first week. The game was moved from Tulane to, uh, to uh, Norman, Oklahoma. So now things had to change. It's no longer their home field. But Tulane looked like a really good football team out there. And they played their hearts out and was able to go back and forth with Oklahoma for as long as they could. And they were able to, you know, to stop Air Gray on a couple of drives, uh, Kennedy Brooks, you know, finally they went, relied on their old back and who knew the system a little bit more, and he was able to sustain a few drives as well and get some goal line carries. But it's just interesting about how the Oklahoma offense is going to look. Now, I will say Oklahoma defense, uh, you know, might be a little bit overrated from what people were saying last season uh, when they beat Florida in a few other games they had during the season. But that's either here nor there. We'll see what the future uh, holds for them. And then I guess I'll touch on one more game that I was impressed with. Notre Dame and Florida State. I think that was probably the second best game of the weekend. And if I had no second, class, what was the first? I would say Georgia Clemson as always. As okay, homers. fair, 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 was, fair. But fair, I was fair. like, I was, I was going to put that aside and say if I had no bias, I would say Florida State and Notre Dame was the best weekend by far. With the back and forth, Jack Cone, uh, Jack's Cone, Jack Cone, uh, he looked incredible. Wisconsin transfer, I. I was just surprised to say it. I was like, wow, you actually look like you can actually be a, a competent quarterback for this Notre Dame team with Ian Book removed. And you don't have to throw in Tyler Buckner, uh, the freshman that a lot of people are, are hoping for for the future. And Kyron Williams, uh, he, he started off a little bit slow, but then he got really going uh, late. Mm-hmm. And then Chris Tyree looked great as well, too. But it still looks like Kyron Williams, you know, despite my prediction that maybe Kyron Williams would take a dip this year. We'll see. Because Chris Tyree may still uh, need some more reps to get used to uh, – that system and having a two-back system, which I think they can, but Kyra Williams is definitely the best back on that team, probably the one of the best players. I, there is another guy on there that I'll, I will touch on. I'll add in a little tidbit here. Uh, uh, credit to uh, Dynasty PJ on this one. He uh, put out a Twitter thread of all these uh, running back by committees, quote-unquote, uh, and the snap counts for each of those. Um, and Kyron Williams, I believe out of 71 offensive snaps for Notre Dame, had 53 and Chris Tyree had 18. So I don't think yeah. we need to worry about Chris Tyree coming in and taking over just yet. No, no, I wasn't worried about taking over, but I feel like Chris Tyree showed enough talent to where his snaps can definitely increase. So that okay. might, you know, take a dip in uh, uh, Kyron. Mm-hmm. And then Michael Meyer, who I had as my uh, tight end one personally in my rankings. I love Michael Meyer. I love the story behind him where they call him Baby Gronk on campus. And I saw the talent there from last season, and I thought, wow, if he's one of their leading, like I think he, uh, we mentioned earlier in our earlier podcast, that he was tied for their reception, the leading receptions last year. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was just like, well, their leading receiver is gone, uh, you know, graduated and gone off to better things, not the NFL, uh, sadly, but it's it, I feel like it's Michael Myers' time, and I'm not saying he could be a Kyle Pitts. I don't think we're ever going to see a Kyle Pitts, but I think this is going to be a very productive tight end for Notre Dame. Oh, very much so. And it, he would have had an even bigger day yesterday if he didn't have three drops. Cleans yeah, those up. Yeah. And, I, I, and and that's not me knocking on him or anything. Again, I love Michael Meyer. 
Um, I, I, you say that we're not going to have Kyle Pitts again this year, and I agree we're not going to have Kyle Pitts, but Michael Meyer, I think, it might be the closest thing we closest. get. Him and yeah. Cole Turner and Greg Dolchich, I think, are very much those three major tight ends right now uh, that we're going to be keeping an eye on. But again, Michael Meyer could have even had a bigger game than he did uh, this past weekend. Yeah, um, and then I'll go to uh, yeah. I'll go to the other side of that game. Florida State surprised the hell out of me. I not a big Florida State you know fan or supporter or, you know care too much about Florida State. They were once a prominent program. Now they're you know in the uh, past previous years they've been in the bottom of the barrel ACC. Teams used to look forward to playing Florida State, but now now it looks like the the uh, the script has been flipped. Florida State might be uh might be onto something. Now I will say. It did take a couple of transfers, you know, one uh, UGA transfer, uh, Jermaine Johnson, to uh, get a couple of sacks on Jack's Cole. So I will take a little bit of credit for that, that we gave. You'll them, take that credit gave, for that. I'll, I'll take credit. I'll give no them the credit that they were able to, you know, get a transfer like that, that we've developed and brought up after he transferred to us, you know, from junior college. And we got him to the prominence that he is, because I think he's going to be a very productive linebacker and a future NFL player in the, uh, at the next level. But I'll take a I'll take a, on the offense. Let's go to the offense side of the ball since this is a fantasy football podcast. Oh man, uh, there there is a there is a QB battle. Uh, there, the, I mean, it's always been one, but now it's even more of a debate where the Mike Norvell has to make a big decision of who he wants to start the next game, because at towards the end, Mackenzie Milton, the biggest story of the night, had the hot hand and looked like the better quarterback. Jordan Travis. You know, he had three interceptions, but he was the one putting up a majority of those points to where him and Jay Sean Corbin, a lot of those young receivers, Florida State is low-key putting something together where, you know, maybe in a couple of years they may come back to prominence, probably even faster than Miami, but I, I'll, I'll leave that for another show. Yeah, and I, again, uh, you, you, you and I were talking that entire game, and I, I got heavily invested into that game, once, especially once Mackenzie Milton came out. Like I said on the pod yesterday, it was just a different atmosphere in that game when Mackenzie Milton got on that field. Uh, I've never seen a fan base just truly embrace a player like that uh, the moment they step out onto the field. Um, In addition to that, though, I have to admit that Jordan Travis had the better day yesterday out of those two. Now, again, Mackenzie Milton was there to bring the... the, um, Actually, I got to be careful how I say that and everything. Jordan Travis had the better fantasy day. Um, Yeah. He he did throw two interceptions, two bad interceptions. Although I thought two, it was three, was I it three? It was three? I think I, it was I, three. But regard, even even still, like Mackenzie Milton, while everything felt better when he was out there, like if, when you really kind of broke it down, he didn't add like a massive spark to that offense. A lot of it had to do with the fact that uh, Deshaun Corbin was playing yeah. out of his freaking mind in that fourth quarter. Um, but even still, in addition to that, like you're right. Um, Norvell has a massive decision this upcoming week and like I don't blame him for starting Travis in this last game even though Travis didn't play that well mostly because of the fact that Travis does have the better legs and that O-line is still bad like they, they, it, it's still going to get pressure and you don't want somebody like Mackenzie Milton who just came back from a surgery on an injury where people thought at best he might be able to walk again someday but now he's back out there playing football but you don't want to you don't want to play with fire like that so, yeah, those are my kind of thoughts on the game. Uh, anything yeah. else you want to touch on before we start going on to week two? Uh, in our home league, I beat you, so uh, uh, I was pretty happy about that. I, I will, I will, it was not I will fair. Rub it, yeah, I they, will rub it in. 
I will nah. rub it in for that one. Our home, our home league. That's where I'm the most competitive. Yeah, I, I like right. facing all of our friends, and I like winning. I do have a tall task this upcoming week, but it it was it was a fun week. I can't. Uh, Jared made some moves on the waiver wire that you know made me kind of mad because I wanted to get a little bit better. So it will be a fun to see in like the next. I admit, what, three I'm weeks. letting you know right now. You picked up Kenneth Walker. I had I Kenneth Walker as my number one waiver wire priority. I had Tanner Mordecai and, 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 as my number one. And I switched it at the last second because I'm like, I'm losing Preston Hutchison to the, my injury reserve this week. Oh, and I'm like, God. I have to pick up a quarterback. And Tanner Morgan was by far the best quarterback still on our waiver wire. By the way, we play in a very, very, like, we, we play in a league of, like, our home league's four people. So there's, like, yeah. there's a ton of great talent still on the waiver wire. Um, so yeah. if, it, if y'all are wondering, like, oh my god, you guys are experts, and somehow Tanner Mordecai is still Mordecai, on the waiver, yeah. like, no, 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 like, there's a lot of good players still on the waiver wire. Yeah, in yeah. Our these league. are friends from these are like uh, two other good friends from college, uh, so we just have fun, you know. And then we have our other leagues on the side that you know it's a lot deeper, but yeah. Oh yeah, but even so, I'm glad I get to play you twice more this year because there's still a possibility for me to uh, still have a winning record against you by the end of the year. Yeah, I lost Muhammad Ibrahim, so that sucks. But it's all right. It's, that, it's all you good. got Kenneth Walker. What are you? What are you crying I about? I did, but I wanted. I had Bijan and Muhammad. It was going to be great, but it's well, now you know, have Bijan and Kenneth. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. You got scared this but weekend, though. You thought you were going to lose Bijan in the same week. Oh my god! All right, all right. We got. We have a podcast. <laughs> we got to move on. We, we got to move on. But we have to get to week two. We have to think about the future. We do have to think about the future, and nowhere, nowhere better to start than probably this week. This weekend's. Probably, actually, I don't even know if we can call this the biggest game this weekend anymore because we got another top 10 matchup that just came out of nowhere because, you know, those teams are both top 10 now. But we'll start with, like, the big the big one before the season started. And that's Oregon, number 12, Oregon, at number 3, Ohio State. This is the big noon kickoff on Fox. Uh, once again, Fox, screw you for taking the weekend's biggest games and putting them at the beginning of the day when nobody wants to really be thinking about big games yet so yeah um even still like i said before the season started this was everybody this this was the matchup everybody was cir- circling and saying that's a likely pac-12 champion going up against a likely big 12 champ or big 10 champion so this is likely a preview of the rose bowl um unfortunately last weekend we saw uh Kayvon thibodeau go down in the fresno state game i am praying that it's like they're saying and that it's only just a sprain he might be able to be back for this weekend i am really hoping that's the case because in a game like this you want all the best players available in the game and so Xavier, what are your kind of thoughts on this game yeah uh you know what i uh, at the beginning of the year even like you know back in back in april our mindsets were like ohio state oregon uh it's gonna be a great game because you know last year even though oregon only played like a few games they were the pac-12 championship and uh, they won the pac-12 championship and they looked like the better football team and you know an up-and-coming program and they had some great uh talent coming in from high school and they had some great returning players as well but now i'm just not sold on them after that fresno state game but also i'm not I'm not sold on Ohio State too. It's it's so weird. The the two games that uh, Ohio State versus Minnesota and Oregon versus Fresno State. It I, maybe I would just chalk it up as week one, you know, games and you know getting getting jitters out there because you know practice is practice. The games are the games. So now going into week two, you've had the experience of playing in an actual football environment with a lot of fans now. So you have those expectations of knowing what to do. But neither team just you know 
And well, I'll say this. I'll speak on Ohio State first. Ohio State took a while to get started. I, I was kind of expecting Ohio State to have the game that Alabama kind of had, where you still have a lot of talent that's been experienced, like from the wide receiver position, and not so much as the running back position, but you had good talent back there. The only question mark really was the quarterback, and now it's C.J. Stroud. And I thought it would be like, you know, how Alabama just inserted Bryce Young with like, you know, still the same, the same old, not the same O-line, but still the great O-line that they have, the defense that they bolstered up, and all the weapons that they produced at Alabama. And you have Ohio State, which I had rated as the best wide receiver core probably in the nation. Probably and I thought still CJ is. Stroud, probably still is, absolutely. And I thought C.J. Stroud would just go in and automatically light it up. But obviously that was P.J. Fleck drew up a great game plan, great game script to slow that down for a while to where we didn't see that until probably like the second quarter. I think probably the first quarter we saw late, maybe the second quarter is that when they started kind of getting going. Then second half, half definitely though. Yeah. Second half definitely was things where things started to fly, but it was just more of like Minnesota players started getting injured players, you know, the more uh, the energy shifted after Muhammad Ibrahim went down. So things just kind of got uh, a little bit iffy. And it just didn't look like, you know, C.J. Stroud had all the time in the world, even though he made the perfect throws, it just felt like he wasn't under that much duress. So I, I like to see quarterbacks in different situations. And if it was an easy situation for you where you started out struggling, then after a while, like when things, you know, became more favorable for you, you kind of just like, all right, I don't, I don't have to try as hard or be all world. Then I have uh, questions of like, all right, what happens if, you know, a team is, you know, as great as they are, plays all four quarters well, how are you going to adjust to adversity? Now, on the other side, I just don't think Oregon has enough to do that. Now, if Thibodeau comes back, that might shift the needle for that to where I'm more, a little bit more interested in again and maybe can give Oregon a chance. But they are a very young team. Mm. So it, it just leaves a lot to be desired because Anthony Brown, even though I, I really think they have a good guy behind them, but I'll leave it up to uh, Mario Cristobal to uh, make that decision because obviously I'm not a head coach or a football coach at all, but Anthony Brown's not the greatest passer, and you have a lot of weapons on that uh, at wide receiver that you're just not using enough, that I, in my personal opinion. So I, I think that's what they're going to need to use against the Ohio State game. So it will be interesting to see. It, I feel like it's going to end up to be one-sided for Ohio State really quickly. See, I mean, Ohio State's favored by 14 points in this game for a reason. Like, uh, this isn't expected to be a relatively close game. Actually, uh, yeah, it is 14 points. So I think it's actually the exact same spread that they had against Minnesota. So that should tell you a lot right there. Um, but even still, um, I think, again, I have, I, have quite a, I have quite a few thoughts on this game. I think, overall, you're going to see a better Ohio State team and a better Oregon team this weekend then you saw last weekend i think both teams uh learned a lot from their games this past weekend both were in closer games than i think they were both expecting oregon especially because oregon jumped up to a pretty good lead in that fresno state game but then all of a sudden fresno state starts running two minute offense they start scoring very quickly oregon realized they can't answer very quickly in a scenario like that and i think that's something that's going to be defined this upcoming game this Saturday, because I can see a scenario where Ohio State jumps out to a two touchdown lead, and then Oregon is suddenly in a situation where they have to pass. And Anthony Brown is not that guy. He's very athletic. Uh, this is a guy that if you are in a neck and neck game and you need to slow down the game, 
uh, have him just make some long drives down the field, he's perfect for that. But if they fall behind and they need to start using these weapons like you're talking about, like Johnny Johnson, uh, freshman Troy Franklin, all these guys they have on this roster, I would not be shocked if, especially if Anthony Brown has a turnover or two, I would not be shocked if we saw Butterfield or even Ty Thompson maybe enter in this game in the second half. I'm not going to make the call on who that backup quarterback is because from everything I've heard, they're very close. And I wouldn't be shocked to see either of them go out there. But I wouldn't be, again, overall, I just wouldn't be shocked if I saw a second Oregon quarterback come in this game, especially if they fall behind early. So we'll go ahead and make our picks here uh, for this game. I think we are both on the same page. Uh, I guess really the question is, does Ohio State cover? <laughs> I'll say yes. I'll say yes. They cover the spread. I'm going to say yes, they cover the spread because, once again, I just can't see Oregon at the moment being able to keep up with Ohio State, and I think they can easily fall behind by two or three scores, and the, and the spread's only 14.5. So if Ohio State beats them by two touchdowns and a field goal, which feels very realistic, there's your covered spread. I'm going Ohio State taking the points. Yeah, and we even talk about the running back room in Ohio State. Oh, my God, I yeah, you're right. I totally missed that. Yeah, but I think everybody's seen, you know, from the talent that, that Maya Williams has showed and Trevion Henderson, the five-star freshman that everybody's been raving about for the past uh, few months, mm-hmm. that Ohio State is in a very comfortable place where they're at with their uh, running backs. Now, it does – it is a sad story for Master Teague. He felt like he was that next guy up after, you know, J.K. and a lot of the other guys before him, that Master Teague was probably the one waiting his turn. And now it just does he got outbeat by the talent. So outbeat by the talent, injuries plaguing him. Yeah, I, I wish him the best. Uh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure he's. I wouldn't be surprised if Master Teague is at the epicenter of a major play for Ohio State down the road, even if he's not getting the full load of yeah. the carries. So we'll go ahead and move on to the other. Well, not the other, but the the only top ten matchup of the weekend and that is so weird to say when you're talking about el asico iowa versus iowa state the first time in history that this historic rivalry in-state rivalry is a top 25 matchup let alone a top 10 matchup this is going to be i think one of the craziest environments you will be seeing in college football this year this is one of those games that is a definitive of college football if you ever just want to see how crazy a, a rivalry can truly get between two schools you may not have really ever just thought about watching on a, a casually on a given Saturday but this is now the 430 ABC game and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this one again I like Iowa State a lot um, I know a lot of people are poo-pooing them uh, for their performance against Northern Iowa this past weekend but i encourage you if you've never looked up the history between iowa state and northern iowa please do regardless of where those two are in classification there those games are always close for some reason northern iowa does their damnedest to make sure that they can ruin iowa state season as soon as they play them whenever they can in addition to that i've made the joke several times i've made the joke on twitter uh, Iowa State in their first game is almost never something to truly bet on, uh, especially if you're trying to get them to cover in a game they're favored in or to cover the spread in a game that they're not. 
uh, Iowa State tends to struggle in the first game. So I'm not buying too much into the whole like, oh, they only beat Northern Iowa by six points. No, Iowa State is still going to be a very well-coached team. They're still going to be a very good team this upcoming year. They're returning a lot of starters. Brees Hall, you can't count him out. Uh, Brock Purdy's playing his last year, so you know he's going to be trying to show out whenever he can. Um, and again, this is not even all to say the stuff going on at Iowa. Iowa uh, just came off of an absolute beatdown against Indiana. Where I, now some people are misconstru- misconstruing what happened in the game because everybody is seeing the the box score and they say, "Oh, thirty-eight six. Iowa must have found their offense." No, like twenty-one points. I, I forget is it tw- fourteen or twenty-one points were scored off of like pick sixes and just fumbles and everything. I think I think it was two pick sixes and a scoop and score, if I remember correctly. I know uh, Penix threw like three interceptions. Uh fumbles i don't know if it might be it might have been 14 direct points from pick sixes and 21 points off turnovers so like i like like iowa was just put into great situations during that game where they didn't have to go very far to score a lot of points so i think iowa is a team that has a lot of good pieces i love tyler goodson i have him on several of my fantasy leagues he's a perfect low floor kind of running back where you know he's going to be getting 20 something carries a a game um they got um god what's his name i forget their quarterback's name off top of my head uh i think it's petrus or yes spencer uh uh, petrus actually i think his name is uh, petrus uh, spencer petrus they got him back there i believe this is his second or third year starting for them um tight end sam laporta i was i was about to bring up sam laporta you what you you bring up a few names here Xavier, that you you like in this game oh i mean you've touched all the uh the major names that i think i could think of for iowa because that's really it for iowa uh i mean it, it is interesting to see there iowa has always you know kind of predicated themselves as like you know tight end you so they're always going to you know produce good tight ends maybe not in the past like year or two maybe i'm trying to think of uh two years ago if they put out anybody but i know in the past they put out like you know tj hawkinson and noah fan uh those type of guys george kittle george kittle as well too so you have a lot of great talent coming out of there tyler goodson probably their most uh memorable running back that I can think of in recent memory. Mm-hmm. I know I'm still uh it's been a while and I really haven't checked out Iowa for a while. It, it's been a it's been a slow climb for them. But I, I will give credit to their defense. The defense is really st- uh, stout. And it is going to be interesting to see how they match up against um Iowa State. Because yeah, this is this is an interesting matchup in terms of like this is a top 10 matchup. It, it feels weird saying that as Iowa and Iowa State are a top 10. I told you it feels matchup. weird to say that. Yeah, it's it. I really don't even want to say it. I don't want to consider it, but I know I have to. So it's <laughs> it's gonna be good for either program, whoever wins. But they're both great defensively. I know Iowa State is returning a lot, but it is the Big Twelve, and then Big Ten. I don't know. It's just your preference of like you know if you are you gonna you know buy into the Iowa State, you know, be actually having a good defense, or they're just facing Big Twelve competition last year and their defense just looked good better than all of them. Or I'm gonna tell you right Iowa's now. Big Ten defense like legit, legit. I'm telling you right now, if Iowa State wins this, it'll be huge for them. They haven't won since 2014. Oh, so they're they're on they're on a let's see one two three four five six you know five game losing streak. They did not play last year because of COVID and yeah. everything. Uh, this is one of the big rivalries that was missed out on last year. Uh, so yeah, and it- came back with a force. They're both top ten this year. 
Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. I'll point out to probably the biggest matchup will be Brees Hall versus the defense. What is that going to look like? Is their defensive line good or is their secondary good? Or what, what are we going to see? I, I think the run game for both of these teams is going to establish what kind of game we look at here because you got Brees Hall versus Tyler Goodson. Like those are, those are two great running backs that I think are going to be the focal points of this game. I think this could be a very low-scoring game. This game... The last two times they played has been very low scoring. In 2018, it was 13 to three. In 2019, it was 18 to 17. Uh, now in 20, 2017, it was 44 to 41. Um, but even still, um, I do think this is gonna be kind of a low scoring game. One of those uh, kind of defensive slugfests. Um, would not be surprised if either team doesn't break 25. Uh, with all that being said, let's go ahead and make a pick on this game. So. I went first last time. I said Ohio State. Um, Xavier, I'll let you go first here. Iowa or Iowa State? I'm going to go with Iowa. All right. I will go with Iowa. Uh, I believe they're ranked 10, so that would be the upset, right? 10, yes. And not? Iowa State is also favored by four and a half points, I believe. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to take the opposite. Again, I, I picked Iowa State to win the Big, Tw- Big 12 th- this year for a reason. I do believe in this team i believe in a lot of the seniors and everything that they brought back for this year iowa state's absolutely going to be one of these programs that has benefited a ton from the fact that their team they can basically bring back their entire team from last year they didn't lose many great pieces off of that team that went in and won the fiesta bowl for the first time so i think iowa state is hungry this year i think they're once again trying to prove a lot of doubters wrong who once again see them struggle in the first game write them off and they're like all right what better way to start a uh what what a better way to uh prove everybody wrong than to go in and beat our in-state rival for the first time in seven years in a top 10 matchup so i think iowa state is probably i think they'll be the more motivated team coming into this weekend i think they pull off the w on saturday so those are the two big matchups everything else here we're going to run through a little bit more quickly um these are kind of like this slate i was talking to xavier beforehand man this slate feels i'm trying to find a, a kind word to describe this slate of games it's just week one was incredible with the matchups that we were given and i'm sure there's gonna be plenty of great games that we don't see coming this weekend but we're just looking at it from looking at it from a glance it's definitely like more of a breather this week of like alrighty, we got the high of week one let's settle in with week two before we get into real like in in conference games and stuff like that so the first yeah, i think one word uh, i was gonna say i think one word to describe this week would either be like vanilla or mundane just like it, it it's just I like vanilla know, it's better. Just was, mundane feels like a little mean yeah, mundane is definitely meaner. I feel like it's you know more critical, but vanilla just feels like yeah, you you know people still like vanilla ice cream, but you know you still add your toppings and stuff. So I've right. Ohio State and uh, Iowa, there will be you know those two little sprinkles that you have, but that's it. Iowa, Iowa State or El Asico and then Oregon, Ohio State, they're just sprinkles. You're not even gonna yeah, give, you're yeah. not you're not even gonna give it the like luxury of being like chocolate sauce or something like that. Nah, nah, can't. Mm, maybe a. You know what? Uh, if we come back, uh, you know, uh, during the uh, um, Oregon and Ohio State game, I'll tweet out randomly. I'm like, all right, Jared, uh, this game deserves the chocolate sauce. Uh, I'll tweet I, it I, out. Xavier, I am looking so forward to that, please. <laughs> Either one of these big matchups, if they're a close or great game, please tweet out that it was the chocolate sauce. 
It was and definitely only only listeners to this podcast will know what the hell you are talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on. We got some in- intriguing um, out of conference matchups this weekend. First one I want to talk about here is a noon game on ESPN. It's Pittsburgh at Tennessee. Tennessee uh, plays against Bowling Green last week. And there's a lot of basically the way I'm talking is how everybody kind of talks about Tennessee right now. Where it's like, yeah, it looks so good, and then not so good, and then there were times last week as if you were a Tennessee fan, you watched the game and you said, "Alrighty, I I see we can make big plays like that, but also, why is my quarterback going eight incomplete passes in a row?" Why is my quarterback scrambling for his life and look like he doesn't know what he is doing? Why are we favored by 35 points in this game, but also it feels like we can't score on one of the worst defenses for a good period of time in this game? It was a very, I'd say, confusing game for Tennessee fans, where it's like you got glimpses of something greater. You're you're saying, alrighty, I can see the potential, but man, does it feel like we're just missing some pieces here. What do you think, Xavier? Yeah, I completely agree. I have no idea how to interpret or, you know, even fathom what the Tennessee offense is truly going to look like. I couldn't get a good gauge with the Bowling Green game. I was just like, okay, Jill Milton, you know, caught a couple of a couple of minutes in probably that first quarter, first half, and I was like, okay, this looks it's pretty good for Tennessee. You know, you've gone from Garantanamo, the bad man is finally gone. Tennessee fans, Mister uh, Pick and Fumble turn uh, prone himself is gone, but Jill Milton, your starting quarterback, he started out really hot, showing a lot of great rushing ability and upside, and was hitting a few passes, too, for some of those receivers. And then the running backs, even uh, I think it was Jabari Small, and you have to remind me about the second back. Uh, Tyon Evans. Tyon Evans. Uh, they looked pretty good. And then everything fell flat, probably, like, close to the halftime, then after the half, everything just, you know, fell flat. And I feel like they couldn't put it all together. Because mm-hmm. I think at the end of that game, Joe Milton threw for, like, what, less than 950 yards? Uh, I can look something. it up for you real there quick. A, there was a crazy stat where it was, like, either his completion percentage started out really well and it dropped off drastically, or he just ended up not throwing for as much as we, you know, thought for people that tuned in. Uh, I'm going to say that again because ESPN sucks with their ads. Um, yeah. He threw for 140 yards. Yeah, he threw for 140 yards, and... Like that's against Bowling Green, so is it's really hard to gauge of like what can you truly do, especially when you get back to the SEC. 140 yards against an out of conference opponent, especially a lower level team, is not going to cut it. Like they're going to be more experienced defenses. You're going to have less time to pocket. DBs are going to be better. Your receivers aren't going to be open. You're going to have to make plays on your own. And if you can barely do that against Bowling Green going to be interesting so and then we'll, i'll let you uh, go to the other side of pittsburgh and we'll talk about them a little bit um so i think pittsburgh is an incredibly well coached team um now i think they're very solidly middle of the pack for acc this is a team i think um there's uh somebody out there who i i, I listened to i can't remember who it was but they basically say that like there is like a solid group in the middle of the acc that are all seven six seven eight win programs but because they play each other any one of them can go like four and eight or they could go eight and four like they're the that's just all like that's just most of the acc and i think pittsburgh is like the definite the definition of a program like that in the acc 
So I'm not entirely sure when, what weekends they're going to pop off and which ones they aren't. But I have a sneaking suspicion that because Tennessee is still trying to answer some of these questions on offense, still trying to figure out what they can and can't do. Meanwhile, you have Pittsburgh coming in with a very good defense, um, very well-coached defense, and you have a offense returning with a very strong identity, in my opinion, to Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison, um, Taysir Mack, um, the tight end Lucas Kroll, who we talked about yesterday on the podcast, and then a stable of running backs between um, Izzy, you have um, Vincent Davis, uh, yeah, Vincent Davis, and there's one other I can't remember off the top of my head. I think Pittsburgh comes in just a little bit more prepared of a team and more settled with who they are as a team. And I think even though this is at Tennessee, I think too many mistakes are made on Tennessee's side of the game. I think Pittsburgh keeps these. Um, I think Pittsburgh keeps the mistakes to a minimum, and I think they win a close one at Tennessee. Yeah, I'll agree with you about one thing. I think it will be close. But I think the factor of it being at Tennessee is why I'll give Tennessee the edge. It really breaks my heart because I really don't want to even root for Tennessee in any capacity as a Georgia fan. That ugly orange, like that one line from the the Blindside movie with Michael Orr and his mom, she was like, I will not wear Tennessee orange. So yeah, it's it's never it's not in my closet, it's not on my body, but I will root for them this weekend because I think talent just beats out. I, I like what I saw from Jabari Small. They have a, a young wide receiver group. You know, you have you're replacing a lot of good talent. Like um, oh who am I? I think it's Josh Palmer from last year, great receiver uh, for Tennessee. They're replacing him with a lot of uh, young guys, but I think they're that talented enough. And I think Tennessee with the it's it's so weird to say this, but they have a stable of quarterbacks to where if Joe Milton doesn't work, I'm fine with if Harrison Bailey goes in, I feel like he's comfortable enough to win that game. This is is where I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, because if Joe Milton was the one put out there last week against Bowling Green, he performed that poorly at times during that game. And they still didn't, well, they did put Hennon Hooker in near the end, but even so, Harrison Bailey didn't get a snap last week. Like, are we missing something? Is are, are those two that bad that Milton looked like the better quarterback compared to those two? Like, if that's the case, that's very big trouble for Tennessee. Uh, I, I think it's just more of like what Hupel prefers. Like, I think he'll go out there and, you know, Milton will probably get the start. But I don't think he's like, you know, uh, I don't think he's too averse to the idea of like, if I have to throw out a different uh, quarterback for a different, you know, change in scenery and like ride the hot hand or, you know, if one of the quarterbacks do pop off, because we've seen Harrison Bailey, he's not, you know, terrible at times to where he shows promise. Hendon Hooker took a Virginia Tech team and, you know, did some things with them last season with his legs and his rushing ability, as -hmm. long as with his arm as well, too. Maybe not as accurate, but... I, I just think it's that variety that could throw Pittsburgh off if you just decide, hey, Joe Milton throws, I'd say, two turnovers maximum. Probably early on, he gets pulled. And I think that change will be for uh, at Pittsburgh's demise because they, they won't know what to scheme for or what to play for. I mean, pl- play against. Uh, I don't know uh, how their coaching is going to like handle having that, that, uh, that possibility of like two different two or three different types of quarterbacks behind Milton, and you don't know which one he's going to throw out. Mm-hmm. 
And again, I think that's fair. I do want to point out that Pittsburgh is actually favored in this game by three and a half points. Um, I, I just looked that up because I, I realized I didn't look that up beforehand. I'm like, I actually don't know who's favored in this game. And it is Pittsburgh, turns out. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if either team won this week or won this game. Yeah. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to the next game. I, I said we'd move on quicker and I'm a liar, apparently. Um, so we'll go ahead and try to get through these as quickly as possible. So Texas A&M at Colorado. thing I find interesting about this is just Haynes King going on the road. True, a true road game for the first time. Colorado is a fan base that I think a lot of people underestimate, especially when they play at home. So I do think it'll be a good experience for Haynes King to get into this game. I do think Texas A&M wins this game pretty comfortably, but I will be watching specifically Haynes King and his performance this weekend. Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think this is going to be a defining moment. Well, not uh, not for this season, but I think for early on in this season. Can Hans King, you know, show up just a little bit more of a, a you know, his legs look incredible. I think uh, the rumors have been true that he is probably one of the more faster players on that team, which is really surprising when you have Devin A. Chan on the team as well. And you're getting high praise from a lot of the players as well, too. Uh, they're fast, uh, fast guys. But I, I just think Isaiah, with Isaiah Spiller, even though he is, um, I, I believe he will play, but I've been hearing a few rumors that he is kind of dinged up. So we'll see how that pans out. I think he could be fine and ready to go for the game. But you have mm-hmm. Anaya Smith, Jalen Wadermeyer, um, that one receiver that we're waiting to see pop off. It's, uh, oh, my God, it's uh, Desmond DeMoss, if I'm not mistaken. Or it's not Desmond yes. DeMoss. Yeah, you, you, yeah no, you, you got it right. But uh, Caleb yeah, Chapman DeMoss. and Chase Lane, I, I think, are also two names that people need to be on the – look out for but and also anaya smith of course but you know oh of course yeah the, the human swiss army knife uh yeah i was gonna do well so i i like their i like their talent colorado um all i can say is Derek broussard can only hope and pray to crack you know 50 yards 60 yards mm. i'm not saying make that bet but texas a&m sec defense and also jimbo puts together a really well put d-line just don't see it happening uh, for him to have the production that you know he's been having for the past few seasons. So, no, it is yeah. absolutely fair. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to the next game here. I, next team I have here uh, is Buffalo at Nebraska. I'm a big sucker for these games where it's a good power or a good group of five team going up against a bad power five team, um, especially in a year like this where you have so many seniors returning for another year. So many programs have so many starters that they normally wouldn't be able to keep around for an extra year. I do like seeing these kind of matchups. And the other one other thing I want to add in here is that if Buffalo beats Nebraska at home, Frost is fired on the tarmac. He gets tarmacked. I, that's my prediction. Um, there's no way yeah. he makes it back to the locker room, still the head coach in Nebraska. Uh, but that being said, I'm calling Nebraska to win this game. Um, I do like um, I do like Kevin Marks and I like uh, Cook, the other running back that they got developing there. Um, I think Buffalo is setting themselves up very nicely, but I do think that Scott knows the position that he's in and he needs to get a win this Saturday. I think every almost every game is a must-win game for him if he, they are a expected favorite that week. Like obviously, if he goes up against Oklahoma, like they're not going to fire him for losing to Oklahoma. Now, they like him to be, to be competitive, but even so. Anyway, I'm picking Nebraska. Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I'm picking Nebraska as well. Um, I hate to say this because I really don't like Adrian Martinez, but I think he's going to be the key for that game. I think his rushing ability and the sometimes that he can hit a receiver for big plays 
will be able to uh, throw Buffalo off. I don't think Buffalo, uh, it would be surprising to see, you know, Kevin Marks, you know, with that uh, O-line still gelling and losing a lot and having to work with a, a foe one, it's just, it will be interesting to see against that Nebraska opponent. And also Kevin Marks, you know, you, they're developing that one other back that you mentioned as well too. So it, it's it's really interesting. Kevin Marks is an interesting position because we all thought he's going to be the next year at Patterson or get like this similar production. But well, in that first game, it was just... Buffalo's, oh, I mean, they, they took him out early because it, it was going to be a blowout. Um, and yeah. Buffalo's always had like two major backs. Like that's how, that's what's crazy about Buffalo in the past is that they have a guy like Jared Patterson, but a guy like Kevin Marks is still almost fantasy relevant every single game. Like that, that yeah. to me is insane. Um, but, but you yeah. look at, I think a lot of people are expecting like, yeah, I want, you know, the next 80 point explosion from, well, you know, those are high expectations. Oh, yeah, I, so that, I don't think that's realistic at all. Yeah, it's not, but you know, those people people have high hopes. So but I still think, you know, Adrian Martinez, along with you know, he has a few decent receivers. Oliver Martin didn't play last game, so I'm excited to see if he gets back on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had also that other receiver that uh went off for hundred yards. Uh Tory. Samori Tory. Samori Tory. So, so I, I think uh that gives them the edge. So I'll take Nebraska. Yeah, fair enough. Let's move on. Let's Moving see what on. we got next year. Uh we got Western Kentucky at Army. Uh, talk about a clash of styles right here. You got a straight up, almost exclusively air raid offense at Western Kentucky, which is a thing of beauty, by the way. If you've not watched Western Kentucky or going back last year and looked up highlights of Houston Baptist's uh, offensive system, which was basically picked up and brought over to Western Kentucky, they brought over the OC, the quarterback, like three of their wide receivers. Um, I think one of the tight ends is also comes from uh, HBU, like, they basically literally picked up that entire offense and just brought it to Western Kentucky and said, all right, we're doing something different. Um, going against Army, which is like the definition of ground and pound, run the clock out, um, take, a, take as much time as we can from you to where you can't score points on us, play great defense and everything. Like It's, it's going to be quite a game to watch, but it's also quite a risk-reward with western kentucky players if you own any of them because like i have bailey zapp in our home league and man oh man was i hating the fact that i didn't play him last week uh being the qb1 and all but now he's playing army and army absolutely shut down cornelius brown last week so i'm again as western kentucky owners like do we play our guys do we not Zayla, what do you think yeah, I think Army against a lot of these, like, you know, lesser teams, uh, not like, you know, major power five, group of five teams, things like that. I think Army is a great shutdown. Uh, they just shut down your system. Mm-hmm. Like, they're a demoralizer. You won't be able to do the things you can do in the past. So it's just, I, I, I just, don't, I wouldn't recommend having Bailey Zap or any of their starters out there for this week. Now, I will say this. If, if you really have faith and have like any shares of Bailey Zapp or like maybe one of his receivers, I'd say prefer maybe a Jared Stearns. I would probably start put in Jared Stearns depending on how well, who I had on my bench, because Army. We we looked at this uh, on our um, Kings Classic podcast last week, and we saw how number one receivers fare against Army. Now I will say Sam Pickney wasn't out there for Georgia State, so the next guy up really didn't do that well. Our Georgia State didn't just didn't do that well as a whole, but. That side up typically doesn't really fall off that much. But I think with West oh, Western Kentucky and what they put on, the clinic they put on last week, and they put, put up, like, what, 60-something points? 
I think so. It, it I think I think it broke sixty. Yeah, it broke sixty. I, I don't think I don't see that sustaining for this game. Now, for the rest of the season, it will we'll move on to that for another episode and mm-hmm. for uh, other matchups. But I'd probably take Army in this situation. I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go Army as well. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the next game we have on our list here, and that's a uh, Miami or Appalachian State at Miami. Xavier, you're a big Miami guy. Uh, you like to kind of point at them every single season. You picked them to win the Coastal this year. Um, they got absolutely slobbered by Bama last week. Like it was not not pretty at all. Um, this is one of those situations where they really need to avoid. I'm not going to call this a trap game, but this is like they need to avoid Bama beating them twice. This is a good Appalachian State team that can absolutely come in there. And if they catch Miami with their pants down, uh, they could do a lot of things to them. And so what do you what do you kind of think in this matchup? I don't know. I, I, I'd have to disagree on about that. I don't think this is going to be a situation like we saw a few years ago with uh, South Carolina coming in to App State and everybody just assumed that South Carolina was going to win. And then it came down to the wire and, South Carolina wide receiver. I forgot his name. Don't know if it was uh, – maybe it was Debo at the time. But uh, he couldn't make the catch in the end zone and end up App State getting the upset or whatever. And it was a big deal. A lot of people were made in front of, uh, including myself, uh, with some of my friends that live in North Carolina. But to the know there, I just think Miami is just too on a different level than that uh, to avoid that sort of upset. That would be a very big upset. I think Miami just overall has the, uh, the the amount of talent they have and the gap that they have. With Derek King wasn't allowed to do really much, and he started off that game nearly perfect. It's just that Alabama's defense just kept getting him on like you know a lot. He would just shut down drives to where after three uh, successful uh, plays, after that it would just be like, are right, you getting sacked and moving further back? I just think anybody that would have played Alabama week one, you know, besides maybe like. Uh, Georgia, Clemson, you know, it probably still would have been a, it would have been lopsided maybe because of the, you know, week one caught off guard. But it just sucked that it had to be Miami or if anybody else besides those two, maybe Oklahoma if you want to throw in there, mm-hmm. that could probably hold, uh, hang in there. But anybody else was going to get blown out and demoralized. And I really hate that it had to be Miami because every, for some reason, I I, I I remember somebody made this quote the, uh, today I was watching on a, uh, I forgot which network. It might have been ESPN or one of these little, uh, maybe somebody's podcast. Where they was like, once you lose to Alabama week one, your season just kind of it's not that great afterwards. Like you're kind of just well, like you've got to. I'll say this: your you, still there. Usually, that usually that comes along with it. A lot of your guys getting injured after playing Bama, and yeah, Miami, Miami can say this about this past weekend. They didn't have a lot of guys injured uh, during that game, so they can at least be thankful for that. They still got yeah. Derek. Like that would have been absolute worst case scenario for them. They lose Derek King again for the season and stuff like that, and all of a sudden you have no idea what Miami's going to look like for the rest of the year. But nope, they still have all their guys, or at least the ones who weren't already pro- injured prior to the game. Um, yeah. By the way, I'm but, agreeing um, with you. I'm picking Miami to win this game. Like I'm yeah, not. I, I like I'm. I'm. I'm putting out there the idea that Miami can lose this game. This is a losable game for Miami. This is not one that I don't think they're just going to be able to out talent Appalachian State. And cruise to a victory. I think if they make plenty of state mistakes, Appalachian State's a well-coached team. They can absolutely take advantage of them. Yeah, I'm the opposite, but we're still, uh, you know, the same on the result. Oh yeah, That's I still think it really matters. I think Miami wins at the end of the day. Heck, they probably cover the nine-point spread, but 
yeah. even still. Uh, we'll move on to the next one. This is another night game, 7, mm-hmm. 7 o'clock. Um, this is the ESPN game at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. Texas, Arkansas. Um, I, like a lot of people, were relatively surprised by how quickly Texas was able to get off the ground in week one, especially against a good Louisiana team who, by the way, if you were saying that Texas could lose that game, but now are saying that, oh, it's no big deal, Texas only beat Louisiana, no. they Texas beat a good football team on Saturday. Actually beat them comfortably. Texas, that was a great win for Texas. A lot of people questioning why they're in the top 15 now. That's why, because they beat a good team. Louisiana will not be out of the top 25 for very long. Um, I highly doubt that it will be more than one or two weeks before they make their way back in. Um, but even so, all to say this, they're now traveling to Arkansas. And Arkansas had a slow start this past week, but they're getting back uh, Traylon Burks, who was uh, li- uh, limited in their game against Rice. Once they got the offense going in that game, Arkansas was able to put Rice away very comfortably. Uh, it was a little scary at first. I'm not going to lie. I saw them down to Rice at first. And I was like, uh, 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 Pigs? Y- y- y'all doing okay over there? But they won that game pretty comfortably. Uh, I've heard this game is sold out. Um, so that stadium is going to be rocking. And it's a big test for Hudson Card on the road. Uh, Bijan Robinson, a lot of these guys who have not played in a true home environment or, or a true road game yet. Um, I think it'll be very interesting. The game, the spread for this game is only six and a half, which honestly, after last weekend, I find kind of surprising. But that spread is there for a reason. And I absolutely think that Arkansas will be giving Texas everything that they can. Because every, like, everybody always talks about like the Super Bowl game for some of these... like. Um, lesser teams in the power five and everything like oh when they go up against clemson it's their super bowl team when they go up against alabama it's their super bowl and everything i think arkansas knows that they're not competing with bama this year even though they will try but if they can beat a program like texas who's on the rise and has a lot of momentum behind them they can absolutely do their best to take down a program like that and then establish themselves that way and i think that's going to be the big goal for this weekend and as much as i really want to root for arkansas I think Texas does win this game, and I have no clue whether or not Texas covers or not, but all I know is that I think I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of the best games of the weekend. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think this is going to be one of the best games of the weekend. I I am a little bit hesitant because I know with Arkansas and Sam Pittman last year, they kind of shocked, I'm not going to say the world, but they shocked the SEC. Uh, especially their first game against Georgia. I did not think they would be able to come along that fast defensively. And, you know, uh, even though we did, Georgia at that time had a, a very young quarterback out there, this is going to be Hudson Card's first time, and especially against the SC opponent, SC defense, which, you know, it's really nothing to scoff at. Like, if it was, if maybe if it was like an old Miss defense, which they looked really good last night, I don't know if it was Louisville being bad, but they had, they got, they have some players. But mm-hmm. uh, we're going to get back to the track on Arkansas. Arkansas can be sneakily good. Now, they do have a, a young quarterback as well, too, like KJ Jefferson. And you also have Traylon Burks, but you also have Traylon Smith in your backfield. And some other younger backs like Raheem Sanders that people have been talking up and are really excited about as well, too. So I, I'll say this. This could absolutely be a trap game for Texas. You you can come in there. I don't think Sarkeesian's going to be the one to overrate, over uh, overestimate uh, Arkansas, but some of the players might. 
and that can be very dangerous Texas See, territory. this is where I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think Texas sees this as a trap game. I think they know exactly what's coming. Um, I think Ooh. I think Steve Sarkeesian looked at the like when he took the job at Texas, and he saw the beginning of his first season and says Louisiana Arkansas, those I I cannot mess up those two games. Those are two games we have to focus on because if we lose either of those two games, we we can forget about any other goals we might have the rest of the season about winning the Big Twelve and everything because we can't win those matchups. God knows we're not going to beat Oklahoma. God knows we're not going to. Uh, bring the fight to Iowa State or it, we'll probably lose another Big 12 game or two. I think he focused in on those games and said we have to start things right in this era and we have to defeat a good group of five team convincingly and we need to go on the road we need to beat an SEC team. Yeah, Even I be- Arkansas. I, I believe, like, like I said, I believe Sarkeesian understands that. I just worry about the players. It's, uh, I know he probably has been like beating it into a drum. It's like this is no slouch game, this is no slouch game, but you know, people can just look at Arkansas and I'm like, oh, they've been the barrel of the barrel, you know, SC team. They probably they weren't that good last year either. I okay. think the players have fully bought into the whole all gas, no breaks. I don't it know. It doesn't matter what team it is. They just keep the foot on the gas. We'll see. Because, uh, you know, there's been multiple times where, you know, players kind of get into the Texas back fever and then things get really ugly. Yes, really but what quick. have they done so far that says Texas is back? I don't know. Some fans could, you know, jump on that bandwagon after beating a good Louisiana Lafayette team. But I will say this. I think Texas has the talent to win. It's all going to come up. To, it's all going to uh, be up to Hudson Card or Casey Thompson, probably, most likely Hudson Card. So I will take Texas in that game. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I got Texas as well. Um, we're just going to run through the next couple games here um, in terms of just I'm going to name the game. Yeah, and we're going to say who wins it. NC State, Mississippi State. I, I need you to go first on that one. Give me like thirty <laughs> seconds to make a decision on that. That was. I was say that was. It, this is going to be a close one. I think this is going to be a good game this weekend. Uh, I'm going to lean Mississippi State. Uh, uh, I'll take NC State. I'll take NC State. I like All what right. I saw from uh, Pearson and Donovan Knight. Um, so. No, I, I don't blame you. Yeah. I do not blame you whatsoever. That, that, that Louisiana Tech game with Mississippi had me a little bit worried as well, too. I think I'm happy to see Wally was able to get back and sort of kind of form and get a touchdown that game. But and Will Rogers kind of uh, find a few guys. But Dude, yeah. Marks went off in that game. Yeah, Marks oh, yeah, got a lot of touches on the ground and in there, so it was great. Um, was nice Missouri, Kentucky. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to go Kentucky, though. I'm going Kentucky as well. I don't know. That, right, that, that, hold on, hold on. Can we take? Can we take like a thirty second? I want to ask: Are you intrigued about that offense? I am actually. That that was the point. That so, if you had asked me a week ago and said, "Alrighty, you're going to have one team who is likely to ground and pound their way to a victory this week, and the other one is probably going to use both the ground game and the passing game in order to win this game." I would have been opposite. I would have thought that Missouri would have been the one passing and using their ground game while Kentucky was just grounding them into pace, but it looks like it might be the opposite. Tyler yeah. Beatty is basically the entire Mizzou offense at the moment. So, yeah, that one shocked me, but I do think that Kentucky having the um, dynamic ability to use both their passing game and running game, which I'm still having a hard time saying, Kentucky is passing the ball a ton. Yeah. I think that's what gives them the win. But I do think this is going to be a very sneaky good game. 
Next game, a game that has lost quite a bit of luster thanks to uh, one of them completely crapping the bed against Montana last week. Washington, Michigan. Yeah, I'll take Michigan here. Yeah, I'll take Michigan as well. Uh, had it had Washington not lost last week, I probably would have might have leaned them actually. But yeah, Michigan lost Bell as well too. But Hassan Hankins looks all right, so and I yeah. think their defense is still you know pretty pretty decent. So sounds good. All right, we'll go bottom of the barrel game here. Uh, Vanderbilt, Colorado State. I have no idea. We'll just say Colorado State because I just think Vanderbilt is terrible. I'm going with you, Colorado State. I think has a few more pieces that I like. Um, and their F- their FCS loss last week was a little bit better than Vanderbilt's. Yeah. Uh, next one, the Holy War, Utah BYU. Oh, this is tough. Um, I'm probably gonna go Utah though. I, I, I am. Like... I will be going Utah as well. Yeah, I, I'm still not sold on Jaron Hall and Tyler Algier and uh. Oh, what's the what's the receiver's name? I don't. It's is it Powell Powell or uh, uh, Powell Powell. Yeah, he, he showed promise, but that was against um. Oh, God, who'd they play? They watched the game, but I forgot who they played because it was so oh, bad. Oh, uh, Arizona. Arizona, so yeah. Uh, next, we got Stanford-USC. Oh, God. Stanford's just terrible. I'm taking USC. Yeah, I'll go. that was a big disappointment for me last week was uh, Austin Jones. I had him in one of my leagues, and I was, I was, I was counting on him to kind of pick up the slack with some of my other running backs who were um, doing good but not great. Uh, nah, he that that entire offense kind of crapped the bed. I'll go USC here as well. Um, so those are all of our games that we just do an analysis on. Now we're gonna go through a couple games where the spread is over sixty points. Usually I go over sixty five, but y'all, there's one game with an over under of over sixty five this past week, so I lowered it a little bit to sixty this week. These are the games where if you are struggling to figure out who to start, who to sit. Sometimes you just got to go with the guy who's going to be in a game with a higher over-under. And so we're going to go through some of those games here real quick. The first game we have here was something I actually circled before the season started. And that is, first of all, wrong graphic. Second, First of all, uh, North Texas at SMU. This is Saturday, 7 p.m. on ESPN+. So sorry, y'all, who are not subscribed to ESPN+. But... There's a lot of players that are intriguing in this matchup. So, Xavier, do you want to go through the SMU guys, and I'll go through the North Texas guys? Yeah, you're definitely going to have to go through North Texas because I can only think of one that, you know, is probably going to be relevant during this game. But uh, mm. SMU, you have Tanner Mordecai at the helm. Showed great promise. Go to his tight end from a transfer that both transfers got. Grant Calcaterra showed great promise and looks like solidified that tight end one role. You have Danny Gray, Reggie Roberson's back. Uh, you know, he might not be back to what we expect him to be, but I think it'll take a couple of games to get him going. This might be the game to do it to where you can get over 100 yards and a touchdown and things like that. But Danny Gray looks great. Rashi Lice looks great. Ulysses Bentley wasn't used as much, but I just don't think that they had to. But I feel like they will. he'll he'll uh, come along as the season progresses. Well, I, think, so, I, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they had Tanner Mordecai out there, and this, this is an easy defense for you to kind of warm up on. Let's just yeah. get you. Let's just get you rep after rep after rep. Let's get you comfortable in this pocket. I'm forgetting there's one more receiver on the SMU team that actually did pretty well. That he wasn't a big name last year. It wasn't with the Rashis or the Danny Grays. I forgot his name. I think he had. Uh, Was it Upshaw? Might have been Upshaw. Uh, so another one to keep an eye out for. So. Uh, again, they got they got a whole stable of wide receivers over there. Absolutely. Uh, it, when when they all leave this year, they're they're just going to reload. Yeah. Um, 
On the North Texas side of things, uh, DeAndre Torrey was obviously the big story last week, uh, 44 points, uh, both used in the receiving receiving work and the uh, ground game work. A lot of this has to do with the fact that As- Oscar Attaway uh, was out for the year with an ACL injury, so Torrey took over a lot of that work. But even still, I think there are plenty of pieces that you want to keep an eye on in this game. Uh, Jair Shorter had a very disappointing game this past week, but... Keep an eye out for him to maybe break out again this game. Um, I forget the um, Burns uh, was another wide receiver who did break out last game. Uh, they seemed uh, him and Jace Reuter seemed to have a very good connection. Um, Deontay Simpson is another wide receiver. I think people just need to keep their eyes out, see if he starts getting some more work, and then uh, just a little bit deeper one. But Tommy Bush is another wide receiver that I've been hearing a lot of good things. About during camp, they said he might be actually the most talented wide receiver on that team. Just a lot of behavioral issues are kind of keeping him down on the depth chart right now. But if he starts making plays for them, don't be surprised if he's just too good to keep off the field. So those are kind of some of the games or people I'm expecting there. Um, This is a game I circled in the offseason beforehand where I'm like, these are the kind of games that fantasy makes me excited for. Because I like, I know there's going to be points in this game. And I know I'm going to see a ton of guys get touchdowns. A ton of guys get plenty of work in this game. Because North Texas and SMU's defenses, neither one are, home, are something to write home about. Excuse me. So we'll go ahead and move on to the next game here. This is another one I was kind of excited about once I saw it on the schedule. That is Memphis at Arkansas State. This is Xavier. Yeah. You're rubbing your hands together. I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah, like you said, uh, one of the games that you circled at the beginning of the year, this is definitely one of the games that I circled at the beginning of the year. Um, I feel like this has the upside to be like a Memphis and UCF game from last year mm-hmm. where it's just going to go back and forth, a lot of scoring opportunities. Now, this can all be shut down if Butch Jones doesn't make the right decision at quarterback. Oh, I think God. there's only one true answer, and it has to be Hatcher. So I think. If they go with Hatcher, then Arkansas State has a good chance of, you know, beating Memphis or possibly just having a high-scoring game. If they go Blackman, I will be disappointed, but I know they'll pull them out for uh, Hatcher. I don't know why they do this. Like, they, they switch coaches, but they just don't want to ever choose Hatcher as the starter, like, outright. It's re- it is very, very strange. Because the connection that he has with Corey Rucker, Jeff Foreman, Dahu Green, it's just so much better than James uh, Black. Uh, Trayvon Trey Hunt now as well. Yeah. Yeah, he he was a, he, I was just like, who is this Hunt guy, and why is he stealing all my targets from uh, Corey Rucker? Then Lay Hatcher comes in there. I was like, whoa, 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 we have a wide receiver one, and Corey Rucker, you know, delivered. So I was happy. I was kind of sad about my Jeff Foreman shares, you know, that I have in some other leagues, but I was like, it's 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 still a long season. Now Memphis on the other side, you have a, a young QB, uh, but you have a lot of weapons around him. Um, you have Brandon Thomas, a young running back, uh, showed out in his first game as well too as a true freshman. We'll see uh, what he can do against Arkansas State. Uh, particularly great defense since Central Arkansas took the lead on them early yes, uh, last week. So we'll see how that works. Um, but, you have Calvin Austin, Javon Ivory is finally uh, stepping into that role as wide receiver two as uh, Taj Washington has left. So it will be interesting. I believe it will be high scoring. I mean, oh, yeah, Sean Dykes as well, too. Can't forget, you know, nope. one of those better tight ends. So, yeah, yeah I think it will be high scoring. And I'm really excited for this game, 7 p.m regular ESPN, so... Actually, um, no, that's a typo. That's also ESPN+. Plus. Oh, well, never mind then. I was going to, you know, say, hey, if you don't can't watch the North Texas at SMU, go watch Memphis, but sorry, ESPN+, Plus, go subscribe, ESPN, plug us in, give us advertisements, we need money. <laughs> 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 that 
was not expecting that. <laughs> anyway, I don't think there's anything I can add on to this game that you didn't already uh, say. In your I just host love that there. game. So I would say that 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 is going to be a fun game, and I do think I, I'm hoping that it is one of the higher scoring games of the weekend. Yeah. Um, I would not be surprised if it hits the over very easily. Yeah. Um, go ahead and move on to the third game here, and that's Georgia State at UNC. I think this game just made my over under of 60 points and obviously uh unc the big storyline with them them just coming out and crapping the bed against uh, virginia tech last week it was just a very poor offensive production that they put on i don't even think it was really like we kind of mentioned earlier i don't think it was ty chandler or sam howell's fault really i mean the o-line definitely deserves a lot of the blame but just some of the play calling was very just bizarre in that game i really hope they kind of fix a lot of that stuff for this next week or for this next game not that i expect georgia state to be really one that will take advantage of unc but they are a team that can score they got a lot of weapons on that team that i like uh, destin coates uh their uh number one running back cornelius brown with his dual threat ability i think can uh easily take advantage of a softer unc defense if they allow him and in addition to that uh roger carter their tight end sam pickney their main wide receiver um absolutely uh absolute target hog he is um and if you in a really deep league and you really feel like you just need to plug in somebody who is probably on the waiver wire uh cornelius uh, mccoy i believe that's his name um is there a wide receiver too you can probably find him on the waiver wire might be able to plug him into this game um yeah that's kind of things on the georgia state side Xavier, you want to talk about the unc side of things yeah uh i don't know i was surprised when this game came up for the over under 60 points um you know, it's, I will say, yeah, UNC did not look the greatest against Virginia Tech, but I think a lot of people were just underrating Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is a, a good football team, and they have a good program, and they bring out the best in a lot of these teams. But I will, I just don't see Georgia State being able to put up the, enough points to for it to be the over of 60. I, oh, by, by the way, I, I was wrong. Uh, was not barely on the line. The over-under for this game is 66. Ooh. I, I just don't see that. If I was a betting man, I'd take the under. Because I think UNC, this is probably going to be their... Uh, Mac, Mac Brown's probably pissed. And he's probably going to want to, you know, probably talk to that O-line to get them together. Sam Howell's probably having, you know, a battling with himself. And was like, man, I could have did this, this, and this over. Josh Downs had the day, and Josh Downs is going to be Josh Downs. But you also have some other receivers where Joffrey Brown... I don't think it was available for that game. Uh, Emory Simmons looked good at times, but not all the time. He had a few drops that I didn't like. Uh, the tight end was, you know, so-so. So you just have a lot of things. And then the running back, just give Ty Chandler the ball. Let him, you know, have more than, what was it, like six or 12 carries? Ten carries. Ten carries. So give him give him more than that. Let him get to, like, 15 and let's see if he can, you know, break off for big runs and let him catch out the backfield as well, too. So, yeah, I think Mac Brown just has to, you know, get with his OC uh talk about the play call and how they want to uh, dictate this game and i think it i think unc wins lopsidedly in my opinion you know i'm obviously going to take unc in this game by the way i forgot to ask north texas or smu who wins that game oh i'll take an smu i'll take smu as well uh memphis arkansas state who wins that one? Oh man that's tough i'm gonna go arkansas state 
I will go yeah. Arkansas State. You, you say that like you're you're the only one going that direction. I'm going Arkansas State as really? well. Really? I know. I, I was just like, I don't know. If, I know Brady White is gone, and I was like, if Brady White's still there, I'd go Brady. But I, it, it, Brandon Thompson intrigues me. I don't think Arkansas State has a run game like you know Memphis, and also they true, have, but they have Corey Rucker. They have Corey Rucker, Jeff Foreman, Hunt, Dahu. So, like you said, I, if if they make the correct decision and Lane Hatcher starts that yeah. game, I think Arkansas State wins it. If they don't, I think Memphis can win that game. But yeah, even absolutely. so, I think Arkansas State wins it. Anyway, uh, Georgia State, UNC, I think we're both going UNC there. Uh, we'll move on to our last game of the evening. We covered a lot of games here. Um, and this last game is Hawaii at Oregon State. This is the 11 p.m. Fox Sports 1. If you are a masochist like I am and like to watch football into the early mornings, this is the game for you because this is expected to be a high-scoring one. The over-under on this is 64. Oregon State only an 11-point favorite, so both teams are expected to score plenty in this game. And so I, I guess I'll start with things. You know, Xavier, I'll let you have the Hawaii guys. Okay. Um, so, um, <laughs> Hawaii... Uh, I, I will say this past week, Hawaii after dark uh, kind of gave Jared uh, a, a bit of a burn in his other leagues that he was telling me about because things happen. Shavon Cordero f- figures out that he is a dual threat quarterback. Calvin Turner does some things. Day Day Hunter finds that he can be a running back. I just think we were under- underrating that UCLA team in the beginning because they're really good for that upset they had against LSU. But it's, I don't know. It, it, Hawaii, they have, they have talented pieces. I don't like that they're not using Calvin, uh, Calvin Turner um, mm-hmm. in the run game as much anymore. He did think. get some carries this past week. I, I don't believe so. I could have sworn I saw somebody like, put out a text that said that. Um, uh, either he only got one or two. but I don't It was think- like the first carry he had, it went for a touchdown. Really? I thought, it was a, I thought he had a 50-yard passing uh, receiving touchdown. Oh, I'm to look it up, but I was like, yeah, they have good pieces there. He does, he, he's had three carries this year, uh, three carries, 36 yards, and one touchdown. Okay, so what about that game, though? Was that that game? I believe it was, uh, he didn't get a carry in the first game. He did. I thought he no, did. Not, not against UCLA. He never oh. got a carry. That was the whole thing. Remember, we were like, oh, he no, had five yeah. receptions, right. but zero carries. That's true. That's true. Okay, I got my games mixed up. So. I, I really want to see Calvin Turner a little bit more uh, used more in the run game. Unless Dave Hunter just, you know, happens to, to do better against lesser opponents. Like, I mean, Oregon State is obviously favored, but they're not facing a UCLA every week. Where I'll say this for Dave Hunter. Last week against Portland State, again, Portland State, don't get me yeah. wrong. 23 carries, 100, 148 yards in the touchdown. So yeah. clearly against lesser competition, he can do a lot better than he did against UCLA. Yeah. Now, this is Oregon State. It's a little bit better, but it's not UCLA, but it's definitely not Portland, uh, Portland State. So we'll, we'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, on, the port- on the Oregon State side of things, I'll, and I'll be real, there was not a ton of people that were kind of jumping out to me. Uh, like, I did like Deshaun Fenwick, but he's buried on the depth chart. Uh, so if you want to go running back at Oregon, probably B.J. Baylor is your best bet. He was getting the most carries, and he did get some goal line touchdowns last week against Purdue. But even still, I'm not sold on that RB by committee at all. But in addition to that, the the, the main name that kind of came out to me was uh, Trayvon Bradford. Had five receptions for 75 yards last week. They continue to feed him the ball. He could be a fantasy option, especially in a game like this where they're expected to be at plenty of scoring opportunities. I wouldn't be shocked if he was able to nab a touchdown or two throughout the game. So, but even so, 
on the Orca State side of things, that's really the only name that kind of popped out to me and said, hey, you might want to grab this guy. So uh, Hawaii or Oregon State, which one are you going with, Xavier? Oh, I'll go with Hawaii on the upset. Oh, all right. I'm I'm sticking with I'm sticking with the Beavers. But uh, you know that yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give you credit. I, I was surprised that one. I was surprised by. <laughs> Wasn't surprised by Arkansas State. I was I was I was leaning the same way as you. But that one I was surprised by. So you you like the Rainbow Warriors to defeat the Beavers? Yeah. That is a sentence I'm sure has never been uttered on this earth before. <laughs> you will be the first. You were the first. Anyway, with that, I think that kind of covers our week two preview. Uh, thank you guys for all listening. We went through quite a few games here. Again, not as good of a slate as week one, but even still, a lot of hidden gems in the schedule that you can definitely find if you are looking for games to watch besides your favorite team's games. In addition to uh, listening, uh, thank you guys for listening. I just want to remind you guys that our weekly schedule will be back to normal this upcoming week this week we got a little thrown off because of labor day and the game's going all the way through monday we didn't get to have our um recap on the day we wanted to and you can see our previews coming out a day later but usually they will be our recaps will come out mondays at 11 a.m our week uh our next week preview will be on tuesdays at 11 a.m and then we have our king's classic podcast every single week and that'll come out at varying times depending on when our f first players play and i believe our first players play on do they play friday night saver uh, we have all saturday all sleep. saturday so we'll probably get that out to you guys probably on friday so but other than that uh, please make sure to subscribe to the youtube channel please leave questions and comments down in the comment section tell us about which games you're looking forward to the most this weekend uh, maybe you're looking forward to the obvious ones like Iowa State, Iowa, uh, Oregon, Ohio State, but maybe you got some ones that like like Xavier and I do, where we got like our our little hidden favorites. Like I like SMU, North Texas. Xavier's excited about Memphis, Arkansas State. Let us know what you guys like this upcoming week. What players you plan on starting that you don't think anybody else is looking at? Um, we love kind of discussions like that down below. Um, in addition to that, follow me on Twitter at CFF underscore Jared. Make sure you follow Xavier at CFF underscore Xavier. Also, y'all, I took a look the other day. I have over 500 followers on Twitter, and that's, first of all, incredible. Thank you so much for that. But also, I went and looked, and Mr. Xavier Hood over here, there we go, I uh, pointed the wrong direction, has only like 250. What is wrong with y'all? Why are you following me, but not also following this man? He's funnier than I am. You gotta awesome. listen. You gotta follow him as well. So please, if you're following me, but you're not following Xavier, fix that this weekend for me. All right. Y'all have a wonderful day. Xavier, do you have anything else you want to add in here before we go? Uh, no, thank y'all for supporting us. Uh, yeah, I would love 11 more followers to get the 300 even. I don't care about it anymore. Jared, you know, wants the success to grow. I'm just happy to be here sometimes and just get to chat with my friends. So it's all good. We love the questions. At me on Twitter though, I do I do feel a little bit salty when people add Jared and stuff, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I can answer this question too. I got you, I got you, because most of the times our answers are the same, or we're just gonna give you a, a similar answer because we we discuss these in our chats. But okay. that's you know there, it's fine, <laughs> it's all good. We love the community. The community is great. Uh, we love the interaction that we get. Uh, thank y'all for liking and subscribing, and yeah, we'll see y'all on Friday. So yeah. All right, see you all next time. Have a good one.